2: around the NFL podcast it's massages only from men welcome to another edition of the around the NFL podcast my name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes Mark Sessler Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal what is up boys hey Dan now he's back Chris Wessling's back in the house welcome back Wes welcome back from your honeymoon You were a little under the weather, uh, which we were sorry to hear, but you you seem to be on the track back to peak condition.
3: Slowly but surely getting better, and you know, thanks to you guys, I can testify that that money drop is totally untrue. I got a couple's massage on my honeymoon, thanks to all of you, appreciate it, and um, it was not a guy who gave Hmm. me the massage.
2: Or so you thought.
3: Oh no, it was not a
2: guy. It was a woman?
3: Definitely a woman. Well, how it's how good. was the experience? Wonderful. I I it was my first massage I've ever had. I've never been to a spa. Or we anything. figured
2: that we we called it a coin flip <laughs> internally.
3: No, I never had a massage, and afterwards I was like, "Why have I been denying myself this for 45 mm. years?" You know, I mean, money obviously is not everybody can drop whatever reason. it costs to get us uh, a massage every time.
2: Hmm. Well, we're glad you enjoyed it, and we're happy to have you back, and and you missed Friday's show, Greg kind of went for the chair a little bit. He went for your crown and with Haydan unavailable, <laughs> uh Greg came in hard with a yo-yo. I don't know, was that it? Yeah, it was he yeah. Well,
4: I think it was I think it was yo-yo yo. And well,
2: he said he might try to overtake you at the top of the show with his new yo-yo yo.
4: Well, I
3: mean, yo-yo I welcome, I welcome all challengers. <laughs> I don't run from my opponents. But also, I mean, Greg's Greg's big thing always was hey now.
5: That's true. Which I really stole from... Um,
4: Lifted from a very successful right. show. <laughs>
5: yeah, from... Uh, why am Larry I Sanders show. Larry right? Sanders show, yeah. Yeah. Um, you're having some issues with short-term <laughs> today,
2: right? You want to tell us about your weekend a little bit? <laughs> My weekend was the same as ever. <laughs> a hazy weekend in Santa Monica. Um, welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. Like we said on Friday, this is our last um, week uh, of three shows until training camp, so we're going to have some fun... Um, Because, quite frankly, not a ton of football news to talk about today. There will be more in the coming days because we have a bunch of other teams um, holding their mandatory minicamps. We have some OTAs as well uh, that are voluntary going on. Uh, And then it's after this week where the NFL goes dark, right? Or is it? You're right. Yeah, that's it. It's the dark period of the NFL calendar, the only one really. Um, So until that comes, we're with you three times a week on today's show. This is fun. Um, the, you know, Game of Thrones is over on HBO, so they got to figure out wh- what's going to carry it, what are, our, what are our tentpole programs. One of them uh, is this nice little show starring Reese Witherspoon. And, uh, who else is in it? Uh, Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, of course. Sh- Shailene Woodley, I believe. Adam Scott. Names. Adam Scott's in it. Meryl Streep this season. Zoe
4: Kravitz. Laura Laura Dern. Laura Laura Dern. Dern, Dern. Of course, the Dernesons. Is Brad Pitt not on this season? Brad Pitt is not on. Oh, I thought Well, maybe he's not there yet. I believe that was a possibility.
2: Listen to us yenting it up over here. But here it is. Big little lies of the NFL. Our little seg coming up later. That's going to be fun. Uh, But before that, let's get into some news, some firings, some hirings. Let's get to it. Hard hit into right. Back at the wall. Time game. Big puppy.
4: The grand slam.
2: Of course, our uh, Massachusetts. Are you from Massachusetts?
1: Erica? New Hampshire.
2: New Hampshire, same thing. Yep. Uh, <laughs> David uh, Ortiz shot Why not? in the Dominican Republic. Come on, who is I went to school up there. It's all the same thing, you guys up there in your little New England hive, center of your universe.
4: All right, get on track. They've got their <laughs> they've got their own little accent and
2: peculiarities in New Hampshire. Anyway, uh, Dave Ortiz, unfortunately, tragically shot yesterday. He's in, uh, hopefully um, uh, on the way to recovery, uh, but the the Red Sox are sending their team plane to pick him up. As of right now, we hope that
5: this legend of of uh, sport it recovers quickly.
2: Absolutely. Um, let's get to the
5: news. Start with... I mean, what a, what a time it was to be a baseball fan of, of the Red Sox back in, in 2004 through uh, really 13, you know, the, the, the pop. I
4: would just predict that there will be other aspects to this story, other layers to investigate down the road as well. <laughs>
2: Greg's so upset that we keep on bringing up the salacious aspects of the story, but uh, yes, get well soon, big poppy and hang in there, Erica. Um, Let's start with uh, a firing in the NFL. Brian gain stunning move. The Houston Texans in a classic Friday evening news dump uh, announced that they had fired their general manager who had only been there for about a year. Um, Here was the statement from, Texans chairman and chief executive officer, Cal McNair. After a thorough evaluation of our football operations, we have decided to relieve Brian gain of his duties as general manager. While the timing may be unusual, this decision was made in the best interest of our organization in our quest to build a championship team for the city of Houston. Now we're hearing Greg that gain who was not the first or maybe even second choice to replace, um, the former general Rick Smith Smith, Smith. uh, did not necessarily see eye to eye with Bill O'Brien or was not an O'Brien guy. uh, And that led to the ouster, but you know, we don't know the whole story. Your thoughts on the move.
5: Well, the timing, I mean, you never like it when you're releasing a press release that said, while the timing is maybe unusual, like (laughs) you just don't hear that in a, in a press release very often. And getting ahead of the story. Yeah. You you, Dan, mentioned, like, how is this going to be, you know, just over a text, um, treated kind of in relation to the Jets general manager firing, which is also at a strange time of year. And to me, the difference is you can just see the the guy who essentially okayed the hiring, Bill O'Brien, is also the guy that I'm putting the responsibility on for firing uh, Brian Gain. So it's just... Bill O'Brien consolidating power over the last couple of years. And I think there's at least an argument to be made that he's earned it. That even though uh, they've had their ups and downs, I mean, they've they've had a winning record in every one of his seasons except for one. Uh, And that if he was not happy with that general manager, he did a bad job helping to hire Brian Game last time around. But I have a feeling... Maybe he's a little more optimistic about getting Nick Cesario from uh, the Patriots, who was their number one choice uh, to replace Brian Gain, and they've requested an interview. And as we're taping this, we don't know if that's going to be approved by
4: the Patriots. I think there's a a huge Pink Pony Patriots link to this Mm. because... Pink Pony is what? Pink Pony is essentially our Twitter show uh, concept that the Patriots send people out, and Bill O'Brien being one of them, to other teams to cause chaos on those teams. But in this case, there is a real true Patriots link. Because Albert Beer, our former co-worker who writes for the MMQB now, pointed out that the New England's culture coach, Jack Easterby, who was beloved inside the building. What? The what coach? He culture was a culture coach. And he reported to Bill Belichick on how elements of what? the entire organization were functioning. <laughs> Laugh as you will, but it's that was... was they, I they, will. They did not want he to was see him go. Like
5: an off-field guy, uh, religion, you know, family, everything, just kind of handling the you know, out of football aspects to people's lives.
4: He went to Houston after the Robert Kraft massage incident occurred. Very unlike yours, Wes. That's very unlike mine. They basically... The theory is that he after, after spending some time inside the organization came to the conclusion that we're going to make a change at various places, GM being one of them. And Casario is very tight with Jack Easterby. Mm. And Casario is very tight with Bill O'Brien. And some believe more so than any link between, say, Josh McDaniels and Casario, where there is a, if it works out for him to come to Houston, that that is the guy they want. And there are more people than one would believe inside the building with pull to bring him there. Well, Mm. the
3: way the league's bylaws are written If the Texans were to offer Nick Cesario full GM power, the language specifically says high-level employee as defined above, which is basically primary authority over day-to-day operations, you're the real GM. He's not the real GM with the Patriots. Right. So if they were to give him the GM title in Houston, he could go without getting
5: the Patriots. Although it's a little gray just because the Patriots were able to reject the request to talk to him last time around with Gain, So maybe the job description was less clear than I don't really know. The thing that annoyed me in the coverage of this quickly afterwards was people. And there was a lot of this on Twitter going through the moves of the last 18 months and either saying, Hey, he didn't deserve it. Like, look at what he's done or Hey, he did deserve it. He did a poor job. Brian gain. You can't put any of it on Brian gain, obviously, because it's bill O'Brien. I mean, bill O'Brien, you can't, I, I saw, especially." The well, they haven't fixed the offensive line. Well, who's the commonality over the last five or six years in Houston? And ever since Rick Smith stepped away from the team when his wife got sick, I think it's pretty clear that Bill O'Brien is the one that is ultimately in charge in all the picks, all the moves, ultimately have to go with him. If he has the ability to essentially so, hire and fire a GM, he's the one that should get the blame and gain. I don't know what he's responsible for, but he got in a bad
2: spot, is what that, he got. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. Because if it is O'Brien's ship, and that all makes sense. What did he do wrong to get fired after only one year right. on the job?
4: I don't think he did – They, they the, the reporting right away was that it wasn't linked to one thing that he did. I think that as we, the more we learn, if this Jack Easterby addition is, is part of it, that they've come to a conclusion that Bill O'Brien and this culture guy they hired are – See someone else else out there that fits the Texan system better. Well, and gain and old friendships. That's
5: what the NFL is, right? Gain came from uh, another, you know, from the Bills. And how much of
3: this is just everybody wants to work with their friends?
5: Right. I think that's and the, the NFL more, all part of the time. and is more yep. comfortable with, with them. I mean, I think Gain probably entered a spot which was very difficult, and I do wonder with O'Brien. I think this should be said. Cal McNair is the acting owner. You know, so it was it was. Um, Bob McNair, you know, for a long time. So there's a little bit of a, a vacuum. Transition the, period, yeah. In this organization, a little bit of a power vacuum. And I think, you know, Brian's done everything possible to try to fill it. Well, we know where else
2: Brian Game came
5: from. Yeah, wait oh, yeah. now this is tough on you, Dan. How are you handling it? Well,
2: the, the town of friendly people, Pearl River, we lost. You know, that was a big deal because to come from PR and work your way up as a player... You know, a bottom of the roster guy, played on some practice squads, as I've said before, while he was trying to make it with the Giants and Jets as a player. He was a substitute teacher when I was a senior in high school Uh, and to work his way all the way up the ladder to become the general manager for it to be just cruelly ripped away from him after one year. As a Pearl River resident, I'm very upset with Bill O'Brien. But I will reserve judgment. I don't know the whole story. But Pearl River's still proud of you. Do not go back to the coal mine. Keep it up, Brian Gain. You'll get another shot at this.
4: Let me throw it out from this angle. Someone from Pearl River is not going to let, you know, one little stroke of bad luck knock you down. You're going to come back somewhere better. So it's not the last we've heard of him. Will it be in the NFL? Who knows? He could be working in one of a variety of industries. Could
3: be Pearl Rivers, Moonlight Graham. You know, he had his, you know, one at bat in the majors, and now he was meant to do something much bigger for the community.
2: Yeah, we're with you. We support you, Brian Gain. Uh, Let's move on. Hey, speaking of general managers and um, the Jets, they got their guy, Joe Douglas, hired – uh, as the replacement for Mike McCagnin, the former Eagles vice president of player personnel. Uh, the move came down shortly after the game firing, which makes you think that perhaps the Jets who were haggling with Douglas about a contract um, saw the, another GM job open up and said, wait a second, let's, let's lock this down. And they did. And if that's how it played out, smart by them to get it done. So uh, Douglas, who has ties to Adam Gase, from their days in Chicago. Um, We talked about it, that Gase, it was certainly a power play when he um, got McCagnan fired a month ago. Well, we'll see how this all plays out. Um, um, Now we have a situation where Douglas, the power structure is set up, the Douglas answers to the owner or the acting owner, Christopher Johnson. So does Gase. And from what we understand, Douglas has a great pedigree and he helped to build the Eagles into a champion. Uh, So you would think he's going to have some sway in this organization. It's fair to wonder how big a voice Gase has right now. Uh, But I think this is a smart hire by the Jets, and I'm glad that they got it done. And uh, I have some other thoughts, but I want to throw it to you guys first.
3: Well, like Daniel Jeremiah, he's a member of the Ozzie Newsom front office tree. And he spent a lot of time in two of the most successful, smartest organizations in the NFL, the Ravens mm. and Eagles. To me, that you have to love that as a Jets fan, that that's where he grew up. That's where he got his chops in Baltimore and Philadelphia and excelled in both of those places.
2: I love the hire. I, I mean, everything you hear, and, and we love uh... – Maybe not the podcast, but Move the Sticks, Daniel Jeremiah, who sent out some tweets this morning. And I actually, I did a little chatting as the ATN Media Insider with DJ about this, that this guy is a stud on the way up. Now, he's untested. He's never been a GM before, and that needs to be taken into under, under, under account. But the idea of getting a young, um, super um, – you have a super optimistic feeling that this is the guy that – you could build a young team around. I like I like this hire a lot.
4: There is so, like there's a sentiment that he works really really well with coaches that he gets that he's able to communicate well. And I think a lot of times when there's division because the front office and the coaching staff see each other as like two ecosystems and they don't get along. I think it's interesting they signed him to a six-year deal when Gase wow. has a four-year deal six-year that deal is, interesting. is uh it is he interesting. Kept, That's
2: what- they kept on going back and trying to get the deal done. And uh, to Douglas's credit, he knew the Jets really wanted him. And he said, no, give me this, give me this, give me this. And the Jets gave him whatever he wanted. Old he
5: got the John Lynch deal. Manish <laughs> yes. Mehta reported that they doubled his offer to $3 million a year from where they started out. Uh, Look at Joey uh, Douglas! Uh, initially. So that's a, a good sign for his negotiating skills. You know, he was only with the Eagles for three years. Uh, and, you know, he really made his bones, as you mentioned, with the Ravens. I, I think it's interesting, you know, In terms of the Eagles structure, they have a pretty clear division between the scouting side, of which Joe Douglas was the head, and then kind of the analytics side, which uh, really Howie Roseman is the head, but Alec Hallaby is also the head. And there was, I, I don't think there's any division there, but there are two different sides. And I think people, when they think Eagles, they think analytics and kind of this, you know advanced, you know, next-level thinking, just how how it's done. And from everything we've heard with Joe Douglas, he's about as traditional a scouting background. Scout-scout. Yeah, as you can get. Michael Lombardi spoke a little bit about this, that actually he might have uh, been looking to get out at some point, just because... Not that he there was any division or anything within the Eagles, but ultimately that was Howie Roseman's show, and he runs things a little different, whereas Joe Douglas is, is more the traditional kind of scout.
4: And also, along the... The DJ lines, the Daniel Jeremiah front, they are now, they were, there was rumors that maybe they were interested in Daniel Jeremiah himself. Now the Whisper surrounds ESPN's Todd McShay. So they've gone from one draft to another. It's it's, interesting. Guru A A to Guru B. It's a tough spot for McShay because you're from B to A. Well, I I would I'm going to hoist up DJ as my but well, DJ it someone else like, like was say, maybe
5: yeah. the was maybe the first pick to be his right hand man and he was very close with Douglas I think uh, in their days in Baltimore and have remained close but McShay I believe was on the same college football team as Joe Douglas so they go mm. they go way back uh, as well and uh, you know I I I hope McShay just for your sake Dan doesn't get hired because then somehow that's going to be. <laughs> It's going to be just like a running little yeah. thing mixed with
2: mixed shit. I, don't, I mean, I don't care. I mean, that's for you guys. That's for, like, the people in the media. And let me just say something. It's
4: just like, hey, well, you couldn't get Jeremiah. Let's, Us guys? it. Let's, let's yeah. You get are anything. also in the media you guys, as much
2: as we are. You know, you
4: guys out there, you don't get
2: to be <laughs> – oh, on this on this subject in particular, you don't get to be right twice. You don't get to have it both ways. You don't get to three, four weeks ago – Go off on the Jets is the biggest joke in football, and how could they do this? Who said that? What an imbe- oh, we go, were, go read the internet. Go right, but not internet. in this room.
4: Not here, though. No, not here. We're too internet. afraid of
2: you for that. No, read the internet. I'm talking about the internet. And it's like, and you can't say, oh, this team will never get it right, and how clueless to make this decision now, and the timing was, and all that you can say is true. But now you don't get to come back and say, wow, the Jets really nailed this one. Great hire by the Jets. The Jets are in better position now than they were a month ago. No, you dumb farts. You can't get to have it both ways. Are you saying there was overreaction and hyperbole on Twitter? Not just Twitter. (laughs) Football cognoscenti. There's a lot of know-it-alls in this industry and a lot of the same know-it-alls that were absolutely slaughtering the Jets as a clueless clueless organization that could not get anything right are now writing little... Gentle think piece is, wow. wow, the Jets actually came out of this in good shape. Good move by the Jets. Get them, Dan. You know what? Eat it. It's Deals impressive.
4: It.
5: Just take but Aren't,
4: aren't we those and, same about this?
5: honkers about 31?
3: Oh, this is, There's
4: definitely some passive aggressive <laughs> aspects to this diatribe here. Listen back to the show when this originally
2: went down. And you let me know if you're in that crowd as well.
5: No, no. I mean basically every other piece of analysis that we do throughout the year, don't we do the same thing Just, to other teams? I'm, on, but I'm on a
4: certain track right now, Greg. <laughs> Let's see if you can get a fourth soundbite for this speech. My final my
2: final <laughs> point is Oh, is this for social? I'm sorry. I didn't. My final point is <laughs> My final point is that football, like anything else, is not always a cookie cutter operation. Yes, it would be great if the coach and the GM were hired at the same time or or uh, the current GM now had been a part of the free agent signing class. But it just because things don't follow the path of what you're used to seeing in this sport or in anything, it doesn't mean it's wrong. And I think the way it's actually worked out for the Jets is, is better. I don't know if they end up getting Joe Douglas, mm. who is a hot name on the market, if they were going against seven other teams in January for it. I think everything happens for a reason, and the Jets are in a mm. better place now. And just reserve your judgment and your slings and your arrows because I didn't see wall-to-wall, wall-to-wall coverage on the Texans, on NFL Network, or in all the tabloids today. The Texans today. have more winning seasons
5: in the what last they they haven't they, won
2: anything. They haven't won anything. I'm sorry. They've won a couple uh, division was, titles. Whatever.
5: Also, it happened Friday afternoon, and no one cares about the, yeah, just saying, it. Yeah, networks don't
2: really care about the Texans. It was yeah. wall-to-wall coverage of what a joke the Jets were. Well, just, a lot I, of it was because Adam Gase off. didn't
5: like the you know, the report. I think the biggest thing that came from all that was Adam Gase not liking or the, the contracts of C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell. That was, yeah, like, I get the, the number one
4: thing. Separate, and you have to realize... You have to say they could have hired some of that back in messy. January to make the point. No one else hired him. He wasn't that highly wanted. Some of the stuff coming out of point. the Jets organization was a little messy. And if you're going to root for exclusively New York teams, you're going to have to deal with more media coverage than if you root for a football oh, team Oh, I have Houston. no problem with it. I'm just saying...
2: If you are going to be a know-it-all and you know everything about how football works and the inside of organizations and the way things should be done and you want to kill the team one month ago, you can't now be like, oh, well, they got it right. They were on the right path all along. Forget it. I'm done with this. Cam Newton's cleared for minicamp. We're just on Dan's show at this point. Let's just. <laughs> no, I just had to get that off my chest. I like but a good drop. Cam Newton has been cleared for minicamp. This is great news, Mark Sessler because Newton's shoulder surgery, there was concerns about whether he'd be available this season. Not only is he going to be available for training camp, barring a setback, he's going to be able to be involved uh, this month and going forward. So uh, it's going to be a different, and we talked about this on our NFL Network hit uh, today, Um this is going to be a different year, potentially, for the Panthers' offense. But at least you know that Cam's right shoulder seems to be in a good place. And that is a major, major addition or a good, uh, major good news for the Panthers.
4: If not in the right place, you're staring at just a lost season and a lot of fallout from that. And it, I, I'm glad. Any story that we don't have to, if it's truly healthy and he comes back and just makes constant progress, we don't have to track this you know diligently every single show for the next 3 months. Well, we hope Whoa. it sticks though. He came back very quickly from his last soldier. Sur- if if surgery it's legit. and then
5: and then everyone was very positive about it and then you hear afterwards, well actually it was never quite right and I was fighting through pain and it was not reported. There's so. something
3: very different about this one and this story has taken on an added layer of fascination thanks to our man Rap sheet. Mm. Speak Wes, speak. He said this is more of an unveiling that Cam Newton has really revamped, and will have entirely new mechanics. Trope alert. A new way of throwing the football is what Rap Sheet was alert. told. It's going to be Troop very alert. different. I don't think that's a trope alert. Well, you're talking about a quarterback who had screwy mechanics. He looked like a corkscrew throwing the ball because he doesn't move his legs. He only moves his upper body. Yeah. Led to major accuracy issues for his entire career. Consistency issues. And if he's changed his mechanics, All right, he could be let a whole different passer.
2: One. If I put um, that's too violent to put a gun to your head. But if I put you on the spot right now, and said in week five you're watching a Panthers game, uh, with Cam Newton a quarterback, do you think that he'll be throwing differently? I think or it most looks like the same old Cam with that like slingshot, the very rigid upright boom dart throw.
3: Most quarterbacks revert to what's comfortable. I don't. I think in this situation, maybe he can't physically throw like that anymore. Maybe he's had maybe. to. <laughs> Maybe there's an impingement or something in his shoulder that makes him throw it differently now.
5: That would be a beautiful thing because I'm excited about year two of North Turner. I think their offense made sense and was more consistent than, than it really was for the five years previous. But I'm not too excited about a wide receiver crew uh, led by DJ Moore, Curtis, Samuel. Maybe, maybe those two will both take a big step up. I like both of those two young guys. They're both but, run after the catch. But for, 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 a number, for them to be their number one and number two receiver, that's a pretty big question. You left somebody out, though. Some an
2: answer to the questions. Chris, Chris Hogan? Hogan, always open. Seven <laughs> Eleven.
4: I don't know about this. A thirty-year-old changing mechanics from the ground up while recovering from shoulder surgery, but I remain an optimist on this front. Well, one source
3: described, um, "Wait till you see this," and they Ratsheed said, "Downright giddy."
2: Hmm. Well, it's exciting. That's June. Who I like. You know what? I've really come over the years to appreciate Newton. I like him as a player a lot. And I think he gets slept on a little bit, and you got. What, what's the mark, Mark?
4: No, it's cool. for you. I find that to be a a, um, a nugget of personal growth because in in the past you've been dinged by various. Uh, media types which you disdain in Charlotte for some of your mm. Cam Newton
5: That's true. online it, It's kind of uh, like the, the Jets bashers who have now come around. It's, uh, it's very much
4: into that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I, I won't admit that I was wrong, though. I, I can't. because I, I, Why go down things, that road? I won't do it because Cam definitely did annoy me early in his, his career. That's, I mean, it's right that he annoyed you. And Super That's Bowl right. 50 remains. Who could argue that? <laughs> Super Bowl 50 remains, uh, you know, a, a touchy
4: topic for anybody any of the cam defenders. Maybe all this humanized him a little bit and you kind of like the way he's come out of it. Who knows. Wait, why is it Oh, oh it was a tough uh, game, you're saying.
2: Uh, both, you know, the play and also I'm then not the that behavior in the press the conference afterwards. The fumble. Oh
5: yeah, yeah, That
4: was not a good look.
5: It was not a great. It
4: was not it was even not a great night, but it wasn't
5: he, it was worse than a bad look. But that Broncos defense made every quarterback look look bad. The, the, but that's not what I'm talking about. Though. You're talking about the interview. I don't care about the fumble oh, I'm talking thing. About both. The fumble thing's ridiculous to
2: get on him for. I think no, it's not. In the in the moment, it's not ridiculous. <laughs> Wes, okay. the fumble. Oh, it was ridiculous.
3: Give me. I mean, come on. He look. I, I'll. I'll. That's for another day. Save it for the. Why didn't Cam jump on the fumble podcast?
2: <laughs> Why didn't Cam try to win the Super Bowl podcast? I no. mean, it was all happened very quickly. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's micro I don't know. Who knows? His brain. Well, that's sports, man. Uh, finally in the news, uh, the uh, meanwhile on the throne of sleaze, the New England Patriots canceled the final two days of the offseason organized team activities that were scheduled for Monday, Tuesday, Mike Girardi r- reports. And Greg, I just thought this was Giardi. interesting to note, Girardi, um, because once upon a time, the head coach, maybe in a more motivated time in his life, had this wow. to say. With the team completely, you know, trying to reconstruct the offense and figure out what the what direction the Patriots <laughs> going in 2019 with their 42 year old quarterback and no Gronk, so n- no days off. How about we're taking a week off?
3: I just wonder what that's about. Mm. I think he has an appreciation for the guys, his
5: veterans. Is
2: there a f- is the fire still in the belly?
4: I mean, Mark. He, he also did the exact. I think it's s- up in the air, dude.
5: He did the exact same thing last year, and I feel like there's at least a chance that we did the same. And how did that turn out? Same sort of thing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, all right, that's what's happening in the news. Did that, the the Ortiz thing, did that hit you hard, Erica?
1: I mean, he's just like responsible. Because you kind of
2: grew up with him, right? Yeah,
1: he was the one How that broke the How old were you curse. in 2004? 2004, um, I think I was in middle school hmm. when we broke the curse.
5: Yeah, that was a tough uh, upbringing for you to <laughs> wade through yeah, it was. <laughs> it was yeah,
2: I'm saying you timed it beautifully. It was great. I mean, the, Ortiz is responsible for a lot of heartache as a Yankee fan, but he's like one of the one Red Sox that I have respect for. Um, got away with some stuff during his playing days, Greg, but uh, <laughs> he's such an easy guy to like. The whole Boston Marathon bombing thing, that was 2013, great. 2013, uh, when he gave that speech at Fenway. Oh, also for all the people who say there's no such thing as clutch. Hmm.
3: Stick that in your pipe.
2: Smoke it up. All right. Oh, I got an ad to read. Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> this Father's Day. Father's Day is coming up on Sunday, by the way. Heads up, everybody. Uh, go to omahasteaks.com. Enter the code around in the search bar for 74% off the Father's Day steak fix gift package. A $235 value. Now, only fifty-nine ninety-nine. Now, this is how you do it. We do these mid-roll ads Uh, with Stitcher, and and it's always better when we have the product. We've tried the product. And what does Omaha do? They do a nice job. They sent sent us the Father's Day Steaks uh, fixed gift package. It's a mouthful. Maybe rework the title, but everything else. (laughs) Everything within the box was tremendous. Last night, it was my last night, I was watching the boys' on my own, I had some chicken fried steaks in the freezer. Are you kidding me? I had some uh, spicy meatball and I I made some pasta, I made some (laughs) spaghetti and I I made a whole meal Uh, and it was excellent and... Greg, how did it go with you and your dad, your your father? Oh well he he grilled up those filet mignons,
5: uh, which were delicious. The top sirloins, and then I think the underrated uh, part of the whole meal was the gourmet jumbo franks. You know, the, people sleep on some, on you, some massive uh, jumbo franks, but they were. I told were you tasty. what's going on with franks these days, right? They were tasty. <laughs> they've uh, they've made a lot of it's updates. Not your uh, old big brothers' franks. I mean, huh? we we no, staying your grandpa's. I friends. mean, we would also love to be able to tell you about the the steak burgers. And, uh, you know, some of the other, we had, I had Didn't the chicken breast. Them. Didn't see them. They're the signature seasoning. Those, those were pilfered off the top. There's a little bit of tax that happens when it goes through uh, our <laughs> Nutri- podcast department before yes. getting to us. But uh, from what we had, it was it's like all in delicious.
2: the, in the mob movies where you, you start out <laughs> stealing the boxes of the cigarettes off the top of the truck. You grab two cartons for yourself before you. Well, I think it was it the
4: gentleman that carried over like a 50 pound refrigerated box to your desk is maybe who took I thought portion it was oh, sent to I would have got it. I would have got it. Picked
2: it up to keep the chicken.
5: Well, and it, it is a quite a value. Valued at $235. Said that. It's a lot of food. It's a lot. So uh, I'm getting it. You got to type in the code, though. Or you got to go to omahasteaks.com and type the code around. I'm doing it tonight. Going to around.
2: That's omahasteaks.com and type around in the search bar to get that fixed package. Wes, maybe hold off. Maybe we can get another free box for you, though.
3: I, I want a possibility. The way you describe it, this company sounds tasty <laughs> enough. I'm, I'm gonna give them my money.
2: We're on fire. I mean, who wouldn't want to advertise with this podcast? Throw it on the big green egg. There we go. All right, let's get to it. Big little lies of the NFL. Now, Wes, do you want to explain? Not everyone has premium cable. Let's start right there, or their parents' uh, password for HBO Go. So. <laughs> Uh, care to explain the *Big Little Lies*? The segment, the show—just take us, take us for a walk. Well, it's a show on HBO.
3: It was originally supposed to be a mini-series, just one season, and it was so successful, won so many awards. People are so invested that they brought it back for a second season, which started.
2: Sunday night, last night. Um, they're off the book. It was just one book that it was based off.
3: One book. And Keisha got me into this show, and I thought immediately... Went after, well for Game of Thrones. Why not try it here? <laughs> I watched the first episode and said, how am I going to watch less ambitious television if they're seeing this
2: masterpiece?
3: And wow. They, and it's, it's visually stunning. It's well written. It's extremely well executed. You catch by me it. off
2: balance sometimes. What? Some
3: of the best actors we have ever seen. Perfect music score. Everything about it, to me, is delightful. But so... Big Little Lies, the title, Little, all of our lives are built around these little lies we tell ourselves and our loved ones in order to keep up appearances, maintain relationships, justify our behavior, Mm -hmm. and generally keep insanity at bay for another day. If you read the book Sapiens, which I've promoted on this show a few times.
2: You have promoted it, Wes.
3: Well, the difference between us and the great apes, the difference between civilizations and tribes is the ability to gossip the ability to form relationships, maintain these complex dynamics, this interwoven nature between humans. And this show, that's what it's about. It's that we do, mm. we do all tell these little lies, but then you start with the big lies, the big part of it. Political theorists, um, John Locke and Thomas Hobbes said we're atoms of self-interest. So we're like these rings around trees, our lives are. We accumulate all these layers of richness in depth and complexity and we double down on this character that we play this mask that we wear throughout life based on these lies we have to keep telling each other and ourselves but it gets big and then it crumbles under the weight of that facade that you have every day (laughs) and the big lies are the murders and the politics
2: oh yeah Wow. But the big lies don't Put happen. Put that on social. Until the little lies pile up, right? It just, until it, the little yeah. lies
3: pile up. And you know what? That was, I mean, you, you yeah. can write that down I and that would be moved an essay. I to tears. Mm. Every one of us lives these novel existences, right? We all have these rich, concentric, interwoven, complex, dynamic relationships with each other. And the most brilliant writers and artists are able to play God by conjuring up mm-hmm. new novel existences and characters that are that woven, that complex. This show does that through how great the actors are. And it really it really takes you to say, hey, we got to take a step back and say, look at look at the art that these people
5: are putting out.
2: Mm. And now we're going mean, to talk if, about the Packers wide receiver. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so I mean, if nothing <laughs> else, I'm watching this show now. I've never seen it, and uh, so I'm so going anyway, to have to.
3: Which little lies are told in the NFL that could snowball into big lies. Hmm.
4: What an intro. No, By the way, I told well done, a little yeah, lie Brad Pitt is not on this show. That was a lie that could balloon and <laughs> that snowball was into a big something little much lie. larger. Apologies. I
3: think that one's going to stay little. All
2: right. So there you go. That's the setup. And, uh, Greg, I will now throw it to you. No, let's start with someone else, please. Why? I don't know.
5: After that intro, I don't want to go next.
4: I don't Why even not? know if I understand he, It was it. just the intro. I want to
5: hear it
2: here right. you guys. Greg's like, let someone else get buried. <laughs> Wes, since you did the the setup there, why don't you explain a big little lie in the NFL?
3: Okay, so the little lie is so and so quarterback can still make all the throws. Could be Eli Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, Case Keenum. Hell, Josh Allen can't make all the throws. He might have the strongest arm in the NFL, but he ain't making all the touch throws. The the it's a little lie. Because our lives are filled with these little lies. Dave Gettleman has to go to a podium and say that Eli Manning can, can make all these throws. Still make all these throws. It's not nefarious. Very few quarterbacks can make all the throws. But Gettleman has to justify his decisions, maintain order and hierarchy in the, in the organization, protect Eli Manning's pride, bolster his confidence, give him the best chance possible to exceed expectations this year, make sure that his legacy and statue are intact with the Giants, but it becomes a big little lie through the butterfly effect. Mm. What if it sets the Giants organization back for a decade or more? We won't know until a few years in the future how big this little lie is. But anytime you hear the word still in front of Kim
5: make all the throws, it's a lie. It mm. just is. Well, it's interesting because this is one that the Giants aren't the only ones saying it. I watched on our air last week Mike Garofolo and Sean O'Hara Make the case that they watch in practice, and that Eli Manning can still spin it as well or better he can't. than he, he ever has. He just can't. That's what they say, though, and I and I saw that, and it was just a moment of dissonance for me. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should trust them. They're watching him in practice. Maybe his arm. Is that strong this June, or at least at this point in the I calendar year? I saw videos year? from I, practice. He can't make the sideline. And then, and then you saw, and then I saw some other reporters who said the total opposite. Yeah, they so, were
4: talking about Eli as a drop down. He was continuing to drop right. down. And I'm just saying Daniel what Jones was, had what was said
5: ball. on our air. So it almost it kind of proves your point that th- these these little eyes, uh, just you know, people that have something invested or they're attached or whatever, they just it just. How many NFL quarterbacks wasoms. do you think can make all the throws? Well, that's an interesting question. All the throws... Aaron Rodgers. It's sort of a, a logical Phillips. fallacy because only, only like one or two people, in theory, could make all the throws. Matthew Stafford. You know what I mean? Because at some point, there's people that can make even more throws. <laughs> it's
4: like Rodgers, Stafford. Uh, it's more of he Baker. Like can't do like 40% of what he could do before it. Honestly, the amount
2: of hand-wringing still about the Giants quarterback position... I would understand that we'd be talking about the still if they passed on a quarterback in the first round. And all the hand about, I can't believe they're still going to Eli and they're paying Eli and he's still the guy in the future. They took a quarterback with the sixth overall yes. pick. Yeah. He's going to be... This This kid is probably going to be playing by week six. What does that have to do with their little lie? I'm just saying, like, wh- who cares? Like, Eli's the past of this organization. And there's nothing that I'm seeing... Uh, I think, they think they're they always going to say team. the right things. They're going to say the right things and try to prop Eli up because, yes, he is. That was my whole point. I know he's an important member of the organization and the legacy and the franchise history. But at the end of the day, what does it all mean? Because he's really – the book is kind of closed on Eli. It closed the second they announced well, Daniel John. Well, he has an the opportunity. Pick. The book he isn't closed. Why is he
3: still being propped up as the week one star? He has an
5: opportunity to make the playoffs. If we're having this conversation next it. year, yeah. I, I'm
2: with you. But, but I, but I just think it's the book is not over. closed.
4: He's still starting. They're not even opening it to competition. I think it's because the Giants from top we'll down have messaged this as poorly as you can, and he's still the starting quarterback on the field right now. But that's okay. Okay, the but a year ago, 21. But by week one, everyone was killing Cleveland for putting Tyrod Taylor in there because it wasn't really a com- competition, and they were right. This, if this is not really a competition, that's what when I have a problem with it.
2: Johnny Manziel, excuse me, uh, Baker Mayfield was in by week three. I, so what did it mean ultimately?
4: That's all I, I'm because saying. because it to the point of what Wes is saying. It's a lie. Ultimately, the talent's going to win out. And why is why are they putting Eli Manning in a situation unless it's a competition? He should at least be in a fair competition, and he should have the opportunity to lose the job if he's not the better quarterback.
3: I regret that I chose Eli as my example.
4: Right, you
5: had other examples. Really, it was saying it about Drew Brees cannot any...
3: still make all the throws. Hmm.
5: That's fine. I mean, Tom Brady doesn't make everything. All the throws. Well, the little lie point. is
3: Drew Brees can make all the throws. The big lie is Drew Brees kept the Saints from reaching the Super Bowl last year.
2: Ooh, you said something saucy, West, on NFL Network today. He he was I one loved. of the worst quarterbacks you from Thanksgiving
3: be, on. And he was. You Greg's should wrong about this. You know, they had Stats-wise, it. film-wise, he was.
2: They call it the breakfast table of the good morning football folk, and they had Cam Jordan in their studio in New York, and Jordan was saying that Breeze is the top quarterback in the league and that Tom Brady, you know, people take him away from Bill Belichick. Would you still be saying that, Breeze? Uh, who doesn't have a bad coach himself by the way he's the guy year after year he puts up the numbers and he's a hall of famer and then west dropped a bomb in the network that you found him to be one of the worst quarterbacks in football in after the last thanksgiving six weeks.
5: and i know and i know why you say that cuz he had two awful games right after thanksgiving but he played quite well against the steelers he played fine in the playoffs he wasn't great but he certainly wasn't uh, Look at a his rate.
3: Look at his rate stats detriment. from Thanksgiving to They went the- down yeah and the- they and- were some of the worst in the NFL And then look at the film of him not being able to throw beyond 30 yards. Argue
2: with that. Um, I have something that should not be argued with. It's a big little lie. The big little lie is that anyone in the NFC should be viewed as a favorite besides the Eagles right now. So the Eagles are the favorite? Eagles should be the clear-cut favorite in the NFC based on where they are, as an organization, and again, smart organizations, and I was defending the Jets earlier because I'm a Jets fan, but that's not a, a, traditionally a well-run organization. The Eagles have shown it time and time again since Chip Kelly got out of the building that they know exactly what they're doing, and they paid Carson Wentz. He's paid, he's happy, and he's healthy, most importantly. And you just look at what, they, what they've what they been able to build. Now, last year was a tricky year for them. They win the Super Bowl, they come back. The Wentz situation was just cloudy all year with the injuries they still went nine and seven they still still want a playoff game but now this is the year where I think they are going to be really difficult to deal with because not only you have a fully healthy Wentz hopefully they go and they get Deshaun Jackson so you add a major burner uh one of the top deep threats of the generation to pair with Wentz you go and you got you you we talked about Brian Gain getting fired did Howie Roseman get Brian Gain fired? I'm sure Bill O'Brien was furious that the Eagles traded up three spots to get in front of the Texans and take Andre Dillard. So they, mm. they, they start to fill up that pipeline because smart organizations do that. They get the best offensive lineman in the draft. And then there's a tweet from Field Yates right around the time of the Wentz extension. Eagles veteran players now signed for at least three more seasons. Wentz, Ertz, Fletcher, Zach Ertz, Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, Alshon Jeffrey, Malik Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, Nigel Bradham, uh, Isaac Samulo. These guys are all uh, impact players. They have the core signed. It's a young dynamic team that's won not so far in the distant past. And they, I think, are going to kick some ass this year in the NFC. And I, I feel like we're not hearing that right now a lot. We're hearing about the same old culprits. Uh, like the Saints and the Rams, a lot of people, who's who's the, you know, favorite. I think the Eagles should be the clear favorite in the NFC.
4: I think one reason we're not hearing that, you know, through trumpets is because – As recently as a week ago, people were still asking fresh questions to Carson Wentz about how he feels. And it's not just been one injury two years ago. It's been a second injury, and they have no one behind him at quarterback at this point, if anything happens. But I I would also just say, looking up and down the other 15 teams in that conference— it is as stacked as the NFC has ever been in the time we've done this show, and I struggle to take any one of them and just say heads and tails on June 10th or whatever it is that the Eagles are the team that's clearly above everyone. Are they really well run? Everything you said rings true, but that's true. It's aspects of that are true of three or four other teams. I feel that way about the Rams who have become one of the best run teams in the league with one of the best coaches and a ton of young Saints. talent. Saints. I mean, I don't love the Bears as much as those two teams, but they're a team on the rise. And the Eagles in the NFC East have to get out of their own division. I don't think that's going to be a lot to ask, but the Cowboys are not a bad team either. The Saints are the team that
5: usually fill the spot of the the preseason favorite, and I think they probably will be, you know, like, number one in power rankings and stuff like that because they're the team that was the best a year ago that returned the exact that returned almost all the same team like they they didn't lose anyone the Saints there there's no reason to believe that the Saints will be worth logically now that's not usually how it uh, pans out but I do th- I, I agree with you Mark that if you look at the Rams the Vikings, and the Saints roster. I mean those are really good rosters. Well, there's- they're really strong top to bottom and they should be playoff teams. And I, I'm with I mean no one I love the Eagles, so I don't really. I mean, I'm just projecting right there.
2: Right, I just feel like they're in a really good spot this year. Yeah, I am. Even in a very difficult year last year, they still ended up being in the final eight teams. They had a chance in that game. I mean, they
5: had their chances yeah. against the Saints to win that game, and then they would have been uh, headed to
2: Los Angeles. What do the desert people happened? say, by the way, where the Eagles are right now in terms of a uh, Super Bowl?
3: I don't know. Can I just point out that there's a team that knocked the Saints off their pedestal? and won the division that the Eagles are in, and this team got better in the offseason? The Dallas Cowboys?
2: Not you think yet. the Cowboys are a better team than the Eagles?
3: I think that's a fit, that's a coin flip. Um, I, I have fewer questions about the Eagles because of their quarterback. He's clearly, to me, better than Dak Prescott. To, write,
5: to answer your question, Dan, the Rams and the Saints are co-favorites. Bears uh, a little bit behind, and then the Eagles uh, in a solid fourth. Those four... Uh, are, f- are fairly far ahead of the pack. Um, but, so but you feel the, but, like the desert but, people are lying. But the Rams and Saints are as that's a pretty... A big little
2: lie in the desert.
5: Safe, safe. <laughs> well, hey, hey, if you like that, then... Yeah. You, no, it's hey, time to get in, but I wouldn't trip. do that. It's take not, a trip. That's not something I would ever do. Oh, yeah, we can't do that. Never. We're not allowed. All
2: right, Mark, give us a big little lie.
4: I think we tell lies because the truth is uncomfortable, that the lies prevent us from having to deal with something that might not fit even the narrative that makes us feel good. And one of the people that's made me feel really good about football the last couple of years is Nick Foles. And there's no reason not to love what he did in that very well-run, perfectly executed Eagles organization with an offense perfectly suited to his strengths. And... What I feel borders on potentially a burgeoning lie is when a team desperate to erase the mistakes and the lies they told previously about their former quarterback, Blake Bortles, Mm. you have to get involved into maybe even a more dangerous lie, a lie tied to $50 million in guaranteed money and hoping that you get the same version of Nick Foles that he produced inside of a very beautifully run two seasons with the Eagles, but two seasons in which he fumbled the ball more than any other quarterback Than Lamar Jackson in terms of percentage for quarterbacks with over 300 touches and a quarterback that before his two playoff year runs in Philadelphia never started more than 11 games in a season. And the one year that he did was in St. Louis when he was benched for Case Keenum. And a lot of that had to do with durability. He's also in the past had spotty play. And again, it hurts to to view this as a lie, the idea that he can't go be a four or five year successful starter for them, because what's not a lie is he's an awesome teammate. He's an awesome leader. He's someone that walked away from football, gained perspective, came back, grew as a person, grew as a player and fit into the perfect moment to become one of the biggest sports stories of our life in football. But the second little lie tied around him for this season that has me concerned is the fact that we're not really looking close enough at what's around him. And that is a bunch of wide receivers who look good when you look at the whole roster because they're young and maybe they'll pan out. But you can't point to really any one of them in my book and say, you have got one or two dudes that are going to help this offense fly. And it's going to have to be completely opposite from the Tom Coughlin Doug Marone approach of the past few years where you get linemen, you get players around them to run a run-heavy Leonard Fournette-based attack. Now everything needs to shift to become a pass-happy attack, and it's run by an offensive coordinator, against Coughlin and Doug Marone's sort of nature in terms of someone who's running the offense. Johnny Filippo, who I think is a skilled play caller, but who got fired a year ago for clashing by running a different scheme than what the building wanted to run. Mm. And so you got all these little promises and lies and half-truths mixed together, and everyone wants to just put the Jacksonville Jaguars back into contention. When I look at two other teams in that division that have much more orchestrated powerful offenses to begin with. So the Jaguars have a lot of work to do and I'm not convinced that I can believe in Nick Foles as a 16 game starter, much less doing that over the course of 5 years as much as it pains me. Who are the to two the Colts and who is the second one? I think the Texans are a better run offense with a quarterback that I know I can trust more than Nick Foles. Fair. You you spoke about Nick Foles and what he's done in the past
3: and I have a sort of a theory about that he is more conscientious introspective and in touch with his feelings than just about any football player I've heard and I think that affects his confidence level more than it would a normal quarterback that play, that plays into insecurities more and when he's not surrounded by the coaching and the surrounding talent he probably tends to slump a little bit more than another quarterback <laughs> would but when he's playing
5: well and feeling himself his confidence is sky high. Yeah, it's a great it's a great point too of the of the lie maybe that Filippo is a natural fit with Marone and Coughlin, and you haven't I haven't really heard that you know this off season, but it's a really interesting point because there are a lot of parallels to to the Viking situation. I
2: saw a report last week. I don't know who said it. It was someone on the Jaguars made a comment like, "It's going to be all about Nick Foles this year." Galeas Campbell. Galeas yeah, it Campbell. Calais Campbell. And it's like. That, that doesn't ring. That rings to me as a liability because it's not all on Nick Foles either. You could kind of look at the Jaguars Fournette's from got a stay. couple of different angles and wonder if there's a, a big little lie, a big lie around this whole team because Foles can be essentially what you expect him to be, not a superstar but like a good just on the right side of the Dalton scale type guy even. And that doesn't mean that they're going to be back in the AFC Championship game. This defense has to be a lot better than it was last year. I like we talked one, about it last Friday that they they half as many turnovers. Uh, they didn't make the big plays. The whole team. Oh, no, Smith this year. The coaching has to be better. the The defense has to be better. The offense has to be better. The running game has to be better. The quarterback, yes. And it's hard not to be better than Blake Bortles. Front office has to be better. The front office has to be better. A lot has to go right for this team to get back on track. It's not just we plug in Nick Foles and we'll see you in January.
4: Right. And I'm. Hopefully that's not a, all what they thought, but they have not addressed enough. I also look at a team in the Eagles that had Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard at tight end, and now you are going to a team with Jeff Swaim and Ben Koyak, who I liked a couple years ago, but it's like you don't have that either. <laughs> you so on the Koyak trip. Well, I just during that <laughs> the whole, during their whole like the playoff Koyak thing, Koyak. they were using like five different tight ends <laughs> at the same time. Going up the lake. <laughs> Where's uh, the offensive guy that he can look to week after week and say he's going to bail Nick Foles out of that big moment in the playoffs? That Koyak you know, was cool in the playoffs. Josh
3: Oliver, they drafted in the third round. That guy's going to be their pass catching
2: time. Greg, uh, close us out with a big little lie. All right. The, um, the big lie,
5: the big little lie, the big little lies in Kansas City are all the analysis from people like us and really around the country talking about the Chiefs as if Tyreek Hill is not there cuz cuz to me it he is there he's on the roster and until we hear more the longer this goes i start thinking that he's going to continue to be part of their organization and so the big lie is sort of like looking at this afc field and marking that down with the chiefs that they don't have him and this is it's a very tricky topic to talk about, but just in terms of his status, it, it's totally unknown right now. And I think there's been a lot of assumptions, including you know from me and and anyone talking about it, that he initially that he's just gonna be suspended indefinitely, or that they're gonna cut him, or something like that. I I just feel like if they they could have cut him, they have not cut him. He's part of the organization. Uh, the NFL said last week uh, as an update uh, to the news that the district attorney uh, at this point is no longer investigating Tyreek Hill that it will have no effect on their investigation. So the NFL is still investigating uh, and there's still very strong possibility for a suspension. But we don't really know it. This is a, a different case than, than ones that we've seen before and we don't know what the NFL is going to do. We don't know how long that suspension's. Gonna be, and it's kind of silly to even speculate. But but the big lie to me is that that he's that Tyree Hill is just kind of put to the side. We've put it to the side because it's not fun to talk about, and it's and it's a horrible situation uh, that he's put himself uh, in. But he it's very much hanging over this season and hanging over the Chiefs and the NFL in general. And I I you know I think there's a lot more to come. The NFL's in a tough spot because I
3: know how I feel. I've seen enough of Tyreek Hill. I don't need to see him play football ever again. And I think a lot of football fans feel the same way.
2: He isn't, and this was new since our last podcast, uh, they came out and said he isn't the subject of an active criminal investigation, local law uh, enforcement, where this incident involving his girlfriend and the son occurred. Uh, But the personal conduct policy, that's – that's different. And you don't have to have even – you don't need proof of um, violence. And, and there was a report in Pro Football Talk that noted uh, Ravens cornerback Jimmy Smith, he got a four-game ban for threats and emotional abuse of the mother of his three-year-old child. So I'm, I'm just looking at this from where the, the black and white of how this all ends up. If the Chiefs decide to keep him on the roster, and it seems that's where we're heading right now, the NFL at some point is going to come in and deliver – a penalty, you would think there will be some type of ban, whether it's four games like Smith got or eight games, which is what Cream Hunt uh, is is uh, facing this season. Someone they got rid of very quickly, yeah. Unlike Tyreek Hill, perhaps perhaps more than eight games. So it it seems to me that unless something changes, uh, that the Chiefs are going to have Tyreek Hill on the field, uh, barring some new developments later at the midpoint or later in the season, and that is surprising and. Frankly, a uh, no. little disappointing.
5: Yeah, and or not. Like, I don't even, even by bringing this up, I don't know. Maybe it will be a year that he's gone. I mean, I think this whole thing is uncertain, but Tom Belisero was on our air. He, he came out a little stronger than I would have expected, saying that there's every reason to believe he'll be in training camp, Tyree Kill at this point. And I think what Tom is, is trying to say is that there's been no actual official action taken and that, that no no one knows what action, it, like people would lose a lot of money trying to guess what the NFL would do with a lot of these cases over the years. And we really don't know, but the Chiefs don't seem in a hurry to to get rid of Ty. And
4: the biggest action not taken is that the Chiefs have clung on to him this entire time, where if he were right. a That's r- roster fringe yeah. player, that would not be the case, I would imagine. Chiefs need to do some thinking about who the Chiefs are.
2: All right. Big little lies in the NFL in twenty. 20- Nineteen. Uh, two more shows coming up this week, as I said. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. W- one more bonus news item. Oh wow! Bieber versus Cruz. Justin Bieber on Twitter over the weekend uh, challenged Tom Cruise, the famous actor, to a fight in the octagon. Uh, <laughs> Isn't Tom
4: MMA. Cruise like sixty years old? Cruz is fifty-six.
3: He's older now than Wilford Brimley was when he made Cocoon. <laughs>
4: Yes, that's yeah, true. but he looks, Probably. He looks it like is 25 years younger than Wilford Brimley at that point. Cruz is an extremely fit, uh, age-defying 56.
2: <laughs> I would take Cruz, I'd take Cruz over Brimley,
5: especially now.
2: <laughs> hey, you don't want to mess with Brimley. Suspiciously uh, age-defying Tom Cruise at 56. Bieber, 25, body in a little bit better shape than maybe you would think. He's not the same scrawny g- uh, kid that he was when he came out of Canada, as uh, Ricky will attest. Um, so he has some mass to him. I, I believe he trains.
1: Bieber would win.
2: Yeah, he trains with a guy, you know, a physical trainer that does a lot of boxing things of that nature. Mm. I don't know what was behind it, and I didn't do enough research to find out why he challenged uh, Hollywood superstar Tom Cruise to a octagon bat battle. But I'm just curious who you think wins, and uh, Ricky, I want to hear your thoughts as well. We'll start with you, Arca. sure.
1: Uh, you want to start with me? Yeah, I don't know why he challenged him either. I was like <laughs> trying to look at that at the articles today right. and stuff. Um, but Bieber, looked-
2: <laughs> let's not worry about um, why and just let's just put ourselves in the octagon Saturday, you know, uh, in Bieber, October. 100%. A Bieber is hmm. gonna damage yeah. Cruz and his legacy. Mark,
4: I'll counter that because I think that people just will quickly um, dismiss Tom Cruise because of his, uh, you know, Scientology, and he's a little bit of an odd guy. But he also, to me, seems like <laughs> hardcore driven, and I think he's got That's... like a will of steel. And I and I just simply don't know uh, that about Bieber. Bieber's talented in his own ways, but who's gonna break first in after right. brutal physical Tom punishment? Tom Cruise is insane. That's Tom what Cruise I mean. I think I think he I think will who has Cruise, the will die. to win, right? Tom Cruise will die before also, you take him out of that. Also, and again,
5: sometimes you know, there's an official a there, loser. and if you've got like a finishing move, and you know. Bieber can just get him to go lights out. There's only so much a, a will to win is going to help you in that
4: moment. A lot's on the line for, for Tom <laughs> oh, Cruise. If Tom Cruise loses, if lights go out, they're out. If Cruise loses to Justin Bieber, that's all that a certain age group of people are ever going to know about him for the rest of time. He you, can't let it happen.
3: You cite Scientology and his weirdness? <laughs> I'm just saying that's packed into the public oh, okay. perception. Okay, well, <laughs> here are some bigger factors. Yep. Again, older than Brimley in Cocoon. That's a big factor. Don't care he's about also age. a legit like don't what care about five, five foot four. Uh, uh, not a about big guy. Five six. So. Yeah, yeah, Cruz is going to get pummeled
5: by by Justin Bieber. Bieber's not much taller. I got to be honest.
3: Right. Yeah, yeah but he's what, height's 40 not an years, issue in the octagon. Height,
5: Height. That's one sport where uh, short guys are the nice little setup. I can't even make a
3: throw well. from third base to first base, and I'm 45 <laughs> years. You, you think Tom Cruz doesn't have built-in injuries
4: from all his life? Bieber, Bieber sneaky five, five nine. nine. Yeah, five nine. That could also mean five eight and a half. We don't know. No, it's exactly right. Cruz five se- five seven five nine. That's I'm not. like Cruise six eight, foot five, three. Seven. But also, Cruz. When you six. when you, I I think it's hilarious that you compare him to Wilford Brimley. But they are not physically on any the, anything close physically. At the same father plane. time remains undefeated. Hmm.
2: Well, well, there's I, a YouTube video that says Justin Bieber's real height is five six. Proof. Uh oh. Well,
5: <laughs> I I'm with you. I think this is this is kind of like like the maybe like the heavyweight fight the other night. You know. uh Bieber needs a quick knockout because as the rounds go on and this just becomes more about the will to win in the, in the grappling, then I like Cruz's Bingo. chances because I think this man, he's not going to be denied. He has the heart of a champion.
1: Why, from his movies?
4: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: He just just seems you like... You think Bieber, a 24-year-old I think mentally, young kid for 25. stamina? I think...
4: I'm going
5: neck up because neither going to be that talented yeah, but, physically. Right, ment- first of all, he's going to train like crazy. He's going to get some a ton of PEDs. He'll be Cruz will be ready, and then mentally. I think he would embrace the pain. Is is Bieber like he's gonna wanna be punished. He's gonna wanna outlast it. Cruz will look Wait. at it as some sort of like life challenge where Bieber will suddenly be there and just be like, What am I doing? You've just painted Tom Cruise as some
3: like <laughs> unbeatable Yoda slash Darth Vader he mixture. Is.
2: Correctly. He is. <laughs> Adequately. He does all his own stunts. He's an absolute <laughs> he like jumped off a building for the last two. Yes, for of analysis, we movie. just have to jump in and say it. <laughs> I mean, the Cruise and a walk. And Beaver wanted wow. to get in some uh, some pummeling, but Cruz, like I said, would rather die than come out of that octagonal loser. Like he is that intense a person. He's I, ancient.
4: I, I could not agree more, Wes. You are you have shown ageless aspects to yourself. Same with Tom Cruise. Beaver would pummel me right now. So would Cruz. All right. Eh, I don't know about that.
2: Um. Uh, <laughs> let's go. That's it. Stan Hansen signing off for. Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. I would pay $59.99. Oh, in a second. Till Wednesday. Podcast, huh? Still doing this. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Let's make it nice, tight, and right.
0: Okay.
1: okay. Yeah, there's only three news item, items, so you guys should be done in about four hours.
0: Right? <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.